when we enter into his rest, we don't have to work to do something. So what I mean by that is this. Even when we feel opposition or, or, or uh, hesitation in, in a service or something, we don't... How? Rest is war. Because from a position of rest, you can speak authority from authority. That's what Jesus did. He was asleep in the bow and the hinder parts of the boat. He was asleep and the storm arose. But he, then they came to him and said, Lord, don't you care that we're perishing? There's so much in that passage because he told them, let's pass over to the other side. He didn't say, let's get in the boat and die. And if you'll read that passage, uh, let me see which one it's in. Yes, Mark chapter 4. He said, let's cross over, verse 35, let's cross over the other side. Don't even forget I'm in Hebrews chapter 4. <laughs> now when they left the multitude, they took uh, him along in the boat as he was, and other little boats were with them. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat in the boat so that it was already filling. But he was in the stern, not the, he was in the stern asleep on a pillow, not the bow and the stern in the back. And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care? They said, Don't you care that we're perishing? I mean, who are they talking to? They're talking to Jesus, but they were so bound in fear. And see, here's where I want us to go. When we don't sense a big press or move of the Spirit of God, we can get into fear and we can begin to wonder what's going on. Natural response is to get into fear. That's what happened here. They asked Jesus, don't you care? You know why they asked him? Now, this, in, in their right mind, do you think they even questioned, did Jesus care? <clears throat> no. What was going What had they seen him do? They had seen him perform miracles, turn water into wine. They had seen him perform all types of miracles. But yet, in the midst of this situation, Mel was singing earlier about in the midnight. <clears throat> in the midst of that situation... They changed their focus on who he was and to what they were in. Yeah, you can be seated. That's fine, because this is going to be a minute. <sighs> so their, their focus switched, and they went from faith to fear. Look, I'm, I'm going to keep reading. He said, they said, teacher, do you not care? Look, they didn't call him master. They didn't call him savior. What did they call him? Teacher. What was their estimation of him at this point? Is he's been teaching some good stuff. They had totally lost sight of he's the miracle worker. Are you with me? Stay with me. You, you braved the elements to be here, so stay with me. <clears throat> Don't you care that we're perishing? Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. But he said to them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? As I was looking at this again, I've preached on this many times. I've studied this many times, but I looked at it this afresh this week. The Lord said, look at what I did. He said, I rebuked the wind and spoke to the disciples. But yet they still got exceedingly fearful. He said, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? But immediately they went back to what? The emotion that was driving them. Fear. They were exceedingly fearful. He said, I've called you out to not walk in fear, but to walk in faith. Are you with me? 
We're not to be driven by fear, but we're to walk by faith. And see, there's a difference in that. What has to happen is there has to come in our lives a place where we say, you know what, I'm not going to be led by emotion. I'm going to be led by the Spirit of the living God. And anything that's contrary to the Spirit of God, I'm going to put away. Because we have the authority to do that. The other part, there's... Uh, and let me just say this, and then I'll go on to, back to Hebrews. He said, and they feared, verse 41, and they feared exceedingly and said to one another, who can this be that even the wind and the sea obey him? See, he rebuked the wind and he spoke to them. He didn't rebuke them. He was trying to renew them. Did you hear me? He wanted them to see from a different perspective that this is the authority that I've brought to the earth. This is the authority that I've brought to the kingdom. I was reading also in, in Mark chapter 12, it's Jesus and he's talking to the scribes and they, they give the illustration of the woman who has, uh, who's married to this brother, there's seven brothers and uh, it's Mark 12 around 38, somewhere around, maybe not that far into Mark 12. But she's, she's married to the first husband, he dies, she's married to the second husband, he dies. She goes through all seven and none of them give her uh, uh, a child. So the, the Sadducees, not the scribes, it's the Sadducees because they don't believe in the resurrection, you see. That's why they're sad, you see. So they were questioning him. Really, that, they, don't, they didn't believe in the resurrection. But they, so they were, what they were trying to do was catch him and said, okay, well, whose husband, uh, whose husband will she, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And, uh, and Jesus said, they're not, we're not going to be given and taken in marriage. We'll be like the angels. He goes on to say, he says, you don't know the scriptures, nor do you know the power of God. And these were the Sadducees. These were religious leaders of the day. He said, you don't know the scriptures, which they prided themselves in. He said, nor do you know the power of God. And I thought, Lord, don't ever let that be a declaration over us. That we don't know the scriptures, nor do we know the power of God. He said, they didn't know the scriptures or the power of God. And he was there in front of them. So I said that to say, here's the disciples. And they didn't understand the power of God. He didn't rebuke them. He was renewing them. And it was fear and not faith that was driving them. How do you know that? Because they were in fear when the boat was filling with water. Then when he spoke to the wind, he said they were even more fearful. It wasn't, they weren't rejoicing. I don't know about you, but I'd have been pretty happy when the, water, when the wind stopped and the waves laid down. But see, they were so bound in fear. And I see that in our society. I, people who are consumed with the news and consumed with the health care reform and all this other stuff, they're so bound in fear that they can't see life. And they, therefore, they can't be light. See, it's all about where we set our attention. <clears throat> I, I'm, here's the thing. I am a child of God that rules and reigns with Christ right now. Not one day, right now. Romans 8 says that's what the, the, the earth is groaning for. It's the manifestation of the sons of God. We might get there. I don't know. But Hebrews chapter 4. That's where I was, right? Hebrews 4. He said, For he who has entered into his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. Verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. And it said that they didn't mix their faith with the, uh, <clears throat> with the promises of God. Verse 12, here's what I want to get. For the Word of God, say the Word of God. The Word of God is living 
and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. All right, look, it says the word of God is living, it's alive, and it's powerful. It says it's sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing asunder, pulling, dividing between the two, between soul and spirit. What is your soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. He said the word of God is quick, it's power, it's alive, it's living, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. He said it's able to divide between soul and spirit. Why is that important? Because when we enter into opportunities that look contrary to what we've been believing for, we have then the opportunity to say, am I going to side with my soul? my mind will and emotions or am I going to side with the spirit but here's what the spirit says how do we do that the living word the quickening word are you with me we go back to the word because his word says we have authority look man Luke chapter 4 notice the similarities the Lord had me this week studying the chapter chapter 4 is in the New Testament we're not going to get into all of them, but there's, it's just really, really good. Just, just in chapter 4, that was all I've been reading. But in Luke chapter 4, very familiar, verse 5. I'm going to break right in the middle of something that's going on. Verse 5 says, The devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Now, let me ask you a question. If this had not been a reality, would it have been a temptation? No. If this was a lie from the enemy, it wouldn't have been a temptation to Jesus. Jesus would just looked at him and said, you're lying. He said, look, I want to go back to what he said. All, this, all the kingdoms of the world is what he showed him. And he said to the, the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory. He has, he ha, has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. See, here's what I believe. <laughs> Romans 8 talks about the, the sons of God. It talks about we're led by our spirit. Not by fleeces, not by emotions, but by our spirit. That same chapter, it talks about that we pray in the spirit. It talks about when we don't know how to pray, the spirit prays through us. It talks about groanings. That's another level of praying in the spirit. There's a groan. It's not even a tongue. It's a groan. I'm not going to talk about that today either. But in Romans chapter 8, it also says that creation itself is waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. It's groaning, waiting. And we'll probably get there in just a moment. But here in Luke chapter 4, I want us to see something. He said, all this authority I will give you. Psalms 2 verse 8 says this, ask of me of the nations and I'll give them to you. Ask me for the nations. You know, I believe that God is raising us up to, I've asked for Gibsonville and God's given us Gibsonville. I'm just telling you, there's more stuff coming that I'll tell you about, but God is giving us Gibsonville. Thank you, Tish. 
He's given, in different ways, he's given us Gibsonville, not just the river, but the body of Christ. He said, if you, if you want it, I'll give it to you. He said, ask the nations, I'll give them. Here's Satan, right? I'm trying to draw this all together. Satan said, all this authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whomever I wish. He said, he showed him all the nations of the world, and he said, all these are mine. I have authority over them and their glory, and I'll give it to whoever I wish. Now, here's what Jesus did. Jesus trumped him. He went to the cross, defeated him, and took it from him. He took it from him, but Jesus gave that authority to us. John chapter 17, he said, the glory which I have that you've given me, I've given to them. John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what is glory full of? Grace and truth. You guys can sit down if you want to. Uh, I'll have you back up in a minute. We're going to sing that it is finished again. In John 1, 14, he said that we saw his glory, and it was full of what? Grace and truth. Romans chapter 8, again, all authority I will give you and their glory that has been delivered to me and I will give it to whomever I wish. So Satan had this authority and the glory and he said it's delivered to him. How was it delivered to him? How was was authority delivered to Satan? Adam. When Adam sinned, he offered over. He gave over the authority that God had destined for man to walk in on the earth. Not when we get to heaven, on the earth. That's the authority that God gave us to walk in. It's what we saw Satan demonstrating. This authority, listen with me, I'm, I'm, I'm going somewhere. And if we don't understand the authority that's already been vested on the inside of us, we can come into a service and feel oppression, and what we'll get our attention on is the devil instead of the glory of God. We'll get our attention on the hindrance. We'll get our attention on what's going wrong instead of who's right on the inside of me. And I'm telling you from experience, I've been there. I used to be, I would come in, it would be heavy, and I'd go, oh, Lord, what's going on? But you know what that does? That puts all the attention on me and not on him. It puts all the attention on what do we need to do. It's finished. He said in Hebrews 4, if you'll enter into this rest and cease from doing, then the power of God, that that word that's quick and powerful and sharp in the two-edged sword, it can divide between soul and spirit. Because as I was sitting there, and I felt it just like everybody, like the others who came to me and said something, just like Mel felt it, I felt it. But you know what I did? I just got excited. I chose to set my attention somewhere else. Because what you focus on is what will manipulate your mind or control your mind. So I chose to focus on him, and I just got more and more stirred up. Because I thought, you know what? Here's the, it's just like Mark said last Sunday. Are you looking at the dot? Are you looking at the paper? And see, when the enemy tries to distract, and and I don't, don't I'm not even quick to say the devil. I don't think we're that high on the list that he comes personally and tries to mess up worship in the river. Now, it doesn't make light that there are, Imps, there are demons that may come and try to hinder and things like that. I believe that. But the devil himself, I don't, he's not omnipotent and he's not omnipresent. He's not all-powerful and he's not everywhere all the time. Are you tracking with me? So I just think there might be something bigger going on this morning than the river here in Gibsonville. 
that he's concerned with. But if he did show up and try to hinder, it doesn't matter because he, he tempted the, the Jesus with his authority and Jesus said, you don't have to give it to me because I'm taking it. And I'm going to give it to those who are my children, my sons and my daughters. Again, that's what Romans 8 is talking about, the sons and the daughters. And as I was thinking about all that, I was thinking of uh, Revelation 19 where it says the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is this. See, we have to make a decision that I'm going to de- declare and testify who Jesus is in the situation and not what the dot looks like. Does that make sense? It's the Spirit of God that will come in. And if we will allow him and his truth and his word, we, we have to make a decision. He won't make it for us. Just like I've said before in John chapter 14, he said, let not your heart be troubled. He can't let not for you. You have to let not. We have to make that decision that we're not going to allow our mind, will, and emotions to run away. So what do we go back to? We go back to the word. What has he said? Now, here's what's so powerful. When we know what he said, we can hold on to what he said, and then he can speak the rhema word, the right now word, into us so we can speak from here to here instead of from here going, God help. That's a good word. That went, I don't know if it went over your head or what, but that was good right there. That was so good. That when we know, and look, here, listen, here, I will give you Genesis 22. I was there again this week as I was studying. He was talking to Abraham. He said, Abraham, he said, here I am. He said, take now your son, your only son, take him up on the mountain that I'll show you, and I want you to, to, uh, to sacrifice him. So he's on his way. It's a, it's a journey. It's not right over the, over the brook. It's a journey. Three days. And then while he's going, then that's in verse 1. And in verse 11, he says, he's up on the mountain. He's getting ready to, uh, to sacrifice his son. I think it's in verse 7. His son, Isaac, looks at him and he said, Dad, I see the wood. <laughs> I see the fire. I see the knife. But he said this. He said, Dad. And Abraham answered, Here I am. And he said, The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. As a prophetic declaration that Jesus was coming to pay for the sins of the world. <clears throat> and then in verse 11 of Genesis 22, Abraham's up, his son is tied, he has his knife, and he said, <clears throat> and the angel of the Lord said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here I am. He said, Don't harm your son. There's a ram caught in the bush. See, he went on the word of God, but if Abraham had been a fanatic, he would have killed Isaac because he said, nope, God told me, kill my son up on this mountain. I Bless God, I'm killing my son. But God wasn't trying to make Abraham a murderer. What he was trying to do is just uh, keep Abraham in the faith that he began in. Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So on top of the mountain, Abraham was not so concerned with the word he had heard that he couldn't hear the word that was being said. And that's the same thing. We've got to know the word of God. It's got to be the foundation of our life. And from that foundation, God will speak a rhema word. It's that word that's talking about here. It's not the logos. It's the rhema word that's sharp. It's it's quick and powerful and sharper. It's living, sharper than any two-edged sword. The rhema word of God. And it's that word that we go back to. That rhema 
that living word of God that we go to. And from that place, God can speak. When we are rooted and grounded in that word, God can speak. That's where we, if we'll walk in that confidence, we've shared this before. If you haven't listened to it, if you weren't here, when we did our small groups, our uh, streams, we did a uh, kind of a, what did we call that thing? Friday and Saturday, it wasn't a con- whatever, a gathering of our retreat, whatever. We got everybody, all the fanatics together that had been in the streams, and we just had a Holy Ghost party here on Friday night. We had people laid out on the floor everywhere. It was just awesome. <laughs> I have no idea what I was going to say. I just got all caught up. <laughs> if you haven't heard Tish, thank you, and her podcast on the prophetic, she did an amazing teaching. We have it up. You can listen to it on our website, or you can go to our website and subscribe to the podcast, and you can get each week our podcast, and it'll uh, come straight to you. But her teaching on the prophetic and uh, how clear it is that God wants to use us, but here's the thing. If we don't feel that we can be used, then we won't hear. But once we make an adjustment in our hearing and say, you know what, God wants, God not wants to, God does speak to me. And if I'll just be quiet and listen, he'll continue to speak to me. And I can say what he's saying. I can be the mouthpiece. I'm telling you, the world is waiting for the sons and daughters of God to stand up. And it doesn't have to be phenomenal. I'm going to pick on a few people here. Not pick on, I'm just going to just brag on the Lord. One, Josh. Farrier right here on the front row. Uh <clears throat> Josh was, uh, he was here for that weekend, and he said, man, I really just, one of the things I've been pressing in the Lord is to hear a prophetic word for people and things like that. So it was Wednesday morning you were riding down the road, is that right? Wednesday morning he was riding down the road in his, in his uh, dump truck. See, here's the thing I want you to get. Man, we don't have to be so spiritual. We think we've got to be fasting and praying and laying in front of the altar to hear from God. When you enter into rest, you enter into the finished work of Jesus Christ. So it's not me getting to a place. I'm I'm telling you, we are way too consumed with us. We're way too consumed with us, and that's why we don't hear him, because all our attention's on us and not him. If we realize that dude's dead, and I'm risen with Christ, and I can hear, if I'm seated in heavenly places with him, it's not a hard thing to hear him. We just got to know we can. So Josh is right. He's doing this amazingly spiritual thing. He's driving a dump truck down the road. Oh, can't you feel the glory on that? And he looks down at a cup. And it makes him think of a person. And he said, hmm. So he gets to a place. He doesn't text and drive, especially not a dump truck. Right, Josh? Amen. He gets to a place where he can send a text, and he sends a text to this individual with what the Lord is speaking to his heart. And this guy doesn't text back, he calls, right? And he said, what do you know? And Josh said, what do you mean, what do I know? What do you, have you been talking to Todd? And what he was talking about, I didn't even know at this point. Are you with me? I didn't know. So I didn't know. I couldn't have told him anything because I didn't know anything. But, and then this gentleman that he's talking to begins to tell him everything the Lord has been doing and how this word was just spot on. And he just knew that Josh had talked to somebody. Right? Because what? 
Because Josh, driving a dump truck down the road, said, God, you want to speak to me. So what are you saying? The next day, Josh is in that same spiritual place. The dump truck. Now, don't go out and buy a dump truck, okay? That's what the church does. That's what the church does. They try to make a formula. Every time they see God moving, they try to make a formula. Sin has never stopped the revival. Flesh has. There's a difference. Carnality has. When men start thinking what we did caused God to come, he's always coming. He's always speaking. Men just don't have their ear to hear. You can chew on that in a minute. If sin could stop a revival, it would never start. <laughs> so Josh is doing that spiritual thing again, riding down the road, and he just asks the Lord a question. And you tell me if I'm wrong. He just says, Lord, who's it for today? Or isn't it kind of what you said? That's right. He just had a word. And here's what's funny. The word that he had was go. And you know why he discounted it? He said, well, Lord, that word's already attached to her. That couldn't be you because that word's already, she's over the go ministry. Duh. That word couldn't be attacked. But, and, and Tisha's still praying into it, she texted me back and said, man, there's, I, thank you. She said, awesome, thank you, because I said, man, the Lord is just, people are waking up to who they are. And that excites me so much. <laughs> that it's not just the ones on the stage, it's not the ones who hold a title, it's sons and daughters. Driving down the road that hear Father's voice and say, yeah, Dad, I'll carry that. I'll pass that along. And uh, so I share with Tish the word, and she texts me back. She goes, wow, I'll pray into that. She said, but what the Lord, what I feel like the Lord's saying, it's like an ocean. Something to that effect, right? To the effect, it's like an ocean. That was all I said. So Josh, I saw <clears throat> that day, the next day, and I said, well, Tish said she's still praying into it, but it's like an ocean. Josh, oh, man, I got to talk to you. Because he was riding down the road the next day, three days in a row. He was riding down the road the next day. He said, and the Lord began to speak to him about the river, the church, the river. And he said, he just saw it, how it started out like a river, but a river has banks. And he said, and he just saw it emptying into the ocean because the ocean was without walls and without banks. And he said, man, I just feel like that's what the Lord is doing in the river. Is that pretty close to what he said? And he said, yeah. And he said, and then you told me that Tish said that was like an ocean. So the Lord was just confirming that as he was willing and obedient to step out, and even in something that felt, foolish, that felt foolish to him, you know what he did? He was, he was allowing the Spirit of God to divide between soul and spirit. And he was being willing to just step out and say. <clears throat> so on Wednesday night when Josh called me and he told me about... Uh, the word he had called this, I mean, he had texted this gentleman and how the guy called him back and he was really excited. And this whole deal, I'm not going to share just yet, but this whole deal that I'm talking about, the gentleman that Josh called, is part of God giving us Gibsonville. It's part of it. So it's bigger than just him giving a word to somebody. It's God giving us Gibsonville. So in the midst of that Wednesday night, <clears throat> I... Uh, Shared with Clint, we were at dinner with Clint and Tish at their house, and the awesome boys. And uh, so I came in after I had talked with Josh, and he was just jacked up. And uh, I shared with Clint how a word that he had given to me two weeks prior was one that was confirmation of something I had been praying about that nobody but the leadership team and my family knew about. More to be disclosed later. 
But I said, I just want you to understand that the word that you gave me was confirmation when I'm saying, Lord, I don't want to do this thing in the energy of Todd. I want to make sure it's you. So why am I saying that? I'm saying that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. When we allow Jesus and who he is to speak to us and through us, it begins to open doors for other people to walk in the promise. So Wednesday night, we were there at Tish's. And you see, here's what I want you to get. Man, this is what I want us to awaken to. We, I'm just going to be totally honest, we weren't at Tish's fasting and praying. We were at Tish's getting ready to eat some good grilled chicken that Clint had cooked on the grill and some barbecue chicken that Tish had made in the crock pot and some amazing sweet potatoes that she cooked with some doTERRA oils. <laughs> it, it wasn't that we were doing this real spiritual thing, but because I'm a son, because his spirit lives in me, he can speak all the time. We don't have to come to church to hear. We should be hearing all the time. That's what the world is looking for. Not the ones who come together and shout and roll in the floor, but those who walk out in the, in the Walmarts and the Lowe's Foods and the Burger Kings. Somebody's got to go to Burger King. <laughs> That's not a mantle on me <laughs> or my wife. But you go and you just share that word. And here's what's so cool. Here's what I share with Josh. You, all you're responsible to do is be obedient to share what you hear. I said, you're not, it's not your job to interpret the word. It's not your, word to, your job to figure it out. It's your word to give it. It's your job to give it. And he said, that's exactly what I was trying to do, is try to figure it out and, and understand what it meant and all this right and that. And we can get caught up in that, and that's not what the Lord is after. He's looking for our obedience. So we're there Wednesday night at uh, Tish's, and we're, I'm, I'm sharing this with Clint, and uh, the phone rings, and Tish and Tina just walk off. I'm like, man, I'm in the spiritual moment with Clint, and y'all just left me. I'm glad I don't have an orphan spirit. I'm just kidding. So, with no further ado, they walked out of the room because Miss Karen, she wants to share a testimony. She said, can I share my testimony? I'm just kidding. I went up to her, and I said, you're sharing your testimony. It's funny. I told Tish, I said, I think I want to see if Karen will share a testimony. She said, don't ask her. Do what you do. Because Tisha knows me. <laughs> well, um, since last summer, I've battled off and on some, we just call them episodes. We don't know what, what's causing them, but um, I get this weird feeling in my head. And a couple times I've ended up in the emergency room where I've lost consciousness and um, lose my hearing, lose my vision, different things. And um, Wednesday evening, well, at first, let me say it started out. I looked back. Wednesday morning, I had gotten a text from Emily and she had said that the Lord had put me on her heart. And she asked me a couple th- if a couple things were bothering me, and it was. Um, and she prayed, prayed, about, prayed for me and just released goodness through text to me. Um, but anyway, as, I'll start with that. And then, so Wednesday, I'm just using the, on the computer, and I get this really weird feeling come over me. Um, and I think, I better get up and get some Benadryl. Well, I get up, and it's really bad. It escalates really fast, and typically... When they're this way, I lose consciousness within five to ten minutes. And um, so I call my husband because he's at church. And he's on his way home, and I call Tisha. And um, she gets Tina, and Tina starts praying for me. And um, I have this whole coldness just cover my body. And at that time, Tina is praying, and she says, I just see the Holy Spirit or something to expect coming down, wrapping his arms around you right now. And, um, 
And that's what had happened. I'd already felt the coolness, and that's what it was. It was the Holy Spirit wrapping his arms around me. And as quick as that attack started, that attack was over. By the time my husband got home from church, I was up. I was, he, he just, like, kept watching me. And my mama flies in the door behind him because he was at church, and he left the girls with mama. And um, she left, then in turn left the girls with my sister and come flying, and they, they just kept watching me. And my mama goes, your face. Yeah, I still see it in your face. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I am fine. And I was able um, to tell them what had happened. And I come from a background where they feel I'm lost. The way I was raised, I'm supposed to live that way to go to heaven. And um, so I've been able to share it with her, with my mom, with my husband, um, with my one of the, a girl who used to be my best friend about 13 years ago. We've reconnected. And um, I was able to share it with her, and all she could say was, Wow. Then I ran into another girl who was like my second mama at the parade. Um, and she was like, so how are you? How are you feeling? And I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm great. And she said, well, did you go to the hospital? And I was like, no. And I told her what happened about how I said my pastor's wife was praying for me. And I said, I felt this coolness come over my body. And I said, it was gone. I was like, as quick as it started, it was gone. And her face just went blank. And she goes, well. <laughs> <laughs> but so I'm... I say that to say I've prayed for boldness, um, and it, maybe it's not coming on my own accord, but it's coming through him because I have to, I have to share when he gives me opportunity amen. to share with others. Amen. So. And, and Amen. <clears throat> and the testimony in that, too, is she's, that's not her nature to just tell those where, uh, that, where she used to fellowship with. Well, here it was the Lord, and here's what he did, but because God radically touched her with his power all she did she didn't she didn't shove anything down their throat she shared a testimony of the power of the living god and all people can say is wow they can try to argue but there is no argument with the testimony of what jesus has done they don't have to receive it but they can't argue that she was having a bad episode and just like that, it's gone. None's ever stopped that fast. There's never been a recovery that fast. That is daughters living in relationship with the Father and declaring what He says so that the world can say there is a living God. There's a living God. And He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as I've said so many times before, my mandate is not to gather a bunch of people together to hear about Jesus. I believe that the call on my life is to raise up a bunch of sons and daughters who will go out, not just come to church and do a good thing. I'm all about coming to church. I'm all about celebrating together, growing together, encouraging. But I'm all, I, my DNA is that sons and daughters awaken to who they are that we quit allowing the lies of the enemy to manipulate our mind and, and steal our attention, and we begin to walk as who we are. Not try to be something that we're not. Just begin to understand who we are and walk in that to start right there. If it's seeing a coffee cup in your car or your truck and saying, and the Lord driving something in your heart, and you go, you know what? I'm going to put me at risk. And that's the key right there, is to be willing to put me at risk. And say, you know what, this may not. And you know what's so sweet as I look at, at Josh. Is how the Lord gave him that to begin with. And encouraged him through the immediate phone call back. And then the next one he got, the Lord stretched him a little more. What have we been talking about? About new wineskins. And the purpose of a new wineskin is because an old one 
will just crack and bust and everything's lost. And the Lord said, I'm not trying for you to walk with loss. I'm trying to walk with, get you to walk with increase. And the way that you walk in increase is not just have the word, but be listening for the word. The rhema, the speaking word of God, where he says, you're my sons and you're my daughters. I want to share one other thing, and then, then we're going to worship. And what we're going to do is uh, we're going to pray for anybody who needs prayer. <laughs> I like that. That just makes me happy. Happy, happy, happy. I said that uh, John chapter 1, that he talked about the glory that he's given us. Romans 8 says this, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to compare with the glory that is to be revealed to us. <clears throat> he said, I, I'm not, I don't think that any of the sufferings, any of the, the, the opportunities that lie before me can compare to the glory that's revealed to us. Now, I want to break that down. The, word, the verb there, to be, in this passage <clears throat> doesn't mean that it will happen in the future. It means that it's a com- continuous or repeated action. So we can read this and say, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy, uh, worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. Are you with me? If you read through that and blow through it, you'll think that someday you're going to get it. This, the glory that's to be revealed to us. Are you with me? Just give me a nod or something. I just need a few people to make sure you're tracking with me before I go on. All right. He said to be revealed to us. That word to be, it literally means continuous or repeatedly. It doesn't mean that it's going to happen someday. It means that it's happening right now. It's be, the, the glory that, that he's given us is being revealed in us continuously and repeatedly. So how do we partner with that when we begin to see it and accept it by faith even before we see it? And then that glory, that grace and truth, isn't that what John said it was? said he manifested his glory to us. It was full of grace and truth. And as that is manifested through us, it begins to affect those around us. But he said here, it's not something that's going to come one day. That, that glory that's to be revealed, it mean, to be means continuously and repeatedly revealed. It means you can't give it out too much. Come on. Maybe it's just for me because I've, I've really enjoyed it. So also here he says the glory that's to be revealed to us, that word to literally means into it's the Greek word I, I, it's E-I-S, but it's pronounced ice, icy or something like that, like icy. But it literally means this, into, not just that you'll see it, but it's, so here's, in a nutshell, here's what this verse is saying in Romans 8, that his glory is continuously and repeatedly being revealed into us, placed in us for a purpose, not that we could become a, a a stagnant pond, but that we could become a, a river. <laughs> and that's what he told the Samaritan girl in, uh, when she came to him. And he said, but if you ask, I'll give you water. And that water will be in you. It'll be living waters flowing up out of you. And she said, give me that water. You know what's cool in that story? <laughs> in that story, you know what's so amazing? Is that she went into town and it said, you know who she spoke to when she went into town? She spoke to the men. Scholars believe she was a woman of low reputation. He said, where's, you know, where's your husband? This, I don't have one. You're right. And the one you're with, not. The ones you had before. <laughs> I perceive you're a prophet. 
She's trying to change the subject. You, you as a prophet, that's what you is, sir. And he said, she said, uh, <clears throat> she went into town and she went to the men. Now, there can be two things. She, it could have meant that she went to the gate of the city because the men would sit at the gate and they would judge and they would discuss. So she could have went straight to the men where she had no right to go or she could have went to the men, the five <laughs> or more that she had been with and said, come see a man. He told me everything about me. Now, you can only imagine what's running through these men's head. Especially if they were one of the ones that she had been with. Y'all got that, right? Come see a man told me everything. And I was like, we got to see this man. He might be telling too much stuff. <laughs> I got this joke that one of the guys in uh, the senior center gave me. And it talks about this 92-year-old Mississippi woman that was put on the stand. And they said, uh, the, the attorney asked her, said, Miss so-and-so, do you know who I am? And she said, yeah. And she went through this laundry list of how he was a cheater and he wasn't any good at anything or something like that. And he said, stunned, he looked at the defense attorney and said, do you know who, who uh, or the prosecuting attorney said, do you know who he is? He said, yeah, he's just as bad as you. He's worse. He's had three affairs and one of them's with your wife. <laughs> and the judge says, can I have both uh, lawyers approach the bench? And they come up and... He said, if either of you idiots ask her if she knows me, I'm going to send this both of you to the death penalty. <laughs> if either one of you idiots ask her if she knows me, I'm going to get you both killed. I was going somewhere with that, but y'all needed to laugh. Uh, okay, I'll close with this. Romans 8.29. <laughs> well, it says, For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to, his Im- to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. John 1.14 said, he was, We beheld his glory, the glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Romans 8.29 says, He's the firstborn among many brethren. But it says here, for whom he foreknow, he also predestined to be conformed. That word conformed there is not a verb. It's an adjective. So what do you mean? What's that? So what? So what? <laughs> and your point is, a verb, a con- so he's saying this, to be, conform- to be was added by man and in translation. It's not even there in the original. So what he said, that you were predestined conformed. It's an adjective describing who you are, not what you're working to be. You are conformed. It's describing what you're conformed to. And that you're conformed, <clears throat> says here, to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God said, when you were born again, you were conformed. You were made in the image of my son who's made in my image. Hebrews 1 says he's the express image of God. He said he's made in my image. You're made in his image that you might be one of those many brethren. Why is that important? The Lord is looking for the sons and daughters of God. Not for another religious group who says we're right and everybody else is wrong. They're looking. He said that you were created, conformed to his image. So what I'm saying is this. It's in there. He who's joined himself to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. So what's the block? I go back to Hebrews. He says the word of God is living and sharper than any two-edged sword that divides asunder the, the soul and the spirit. 
Corinthians says this, bringing every thought into uh, captivity to the obedience of Christ. It doesn't say bringing every thought captivity to your obedience. So anything that comes into your mind that's contrary to the obedience of Christ, because that's who you're conformed to, that's what you look like in the eyes of the Father. So any thought that comes in that looks contrary to that, you take it to Jesus and say, he paid for it, and I am just like him. That's what takes authority over that thought, not you saying, well, I just cast down that thought because I'm better than that. And the devil will smack you with another one. So what you say is, I, my mind is renewed <clears throat> to who he is, to his image and what he accomplished. Because as he is, First John says, as he is, so are we in the earth. Yeah, I'm looking for radicals. That's what I'm looking for, for radicals who will say, you know what? If I walk in a service and it feels like something's off, then I'll change the service. Not I'll go in the closet and pray until something happens. How will I change the service? By recognizing that the authority to change the service is in me. And I will start releasing light and life. And that, that's not just in a service. That, you can walk in a room and change the atmosphere in a room. People can look at you and go, man, there's something different about you. People look at you and say, man, you're glowing. Your face is glowing. And then you have opportunity, just as Karen had opportunity, then you have opportunity to share light and life. I'm telling you, the light of God has been shed abroad in us. He said, I'm the light of the world. But when he was leaving, he said, now you're the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Those good works don't mean we go around doing a bunch of good things. Are good things good to do? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I've got some good things for you to do. On a practical standpoint, this coming Saturday is the parade. I have a sign-up sheet that I couldn't get to work right. So the first part of the service, I wasn't concerned with the spirit that wasn't right in the room. I was trying to design a stinking sign-up sheet. <clears throat> and I said, Mel's not going to be happy with me because I'm not pulling with her, so just put this thing down. So if you would volunteer, we need volunteers to help with the parade for Gibsonville's parade. Again, I told you, God's given us Gibsonville. We're going to help work the parade. So I need volunteers. If you would give me your name and your phone number, once I touch base with her tomorrow, I will let you know what that looks like. I'm not sure. She said she wanted us to do one of two things, depending on how many showed up. She may want us to do kind of like crowd control or either to walk and help collect cans because they collect cans for uh, a food shelter. So I don't know which one we'll be doing. I'll let you know if you'll sign up. I have the sheet right here at the front. And uh, my amazing wife is going to put lines on the sheet because they did not print out. But uh, <clears throat> we'll give you an opportunity to walk that out. And, you know, here's the thing. You might be at the parade keeping a kid from getting run over by a float. And the Lord may speak something in your heart and you'll be able to share it. Because here's, here's what's so cool. And then and I'll y'all stand up, which will give me a, a it'll purpose in my heart to stop. You could be the light at the parade, wherever you are, that, that causes someone to see that we're not peddling religion, but that we have relationship with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords.
your willingness to serve in something that practical could open the door and could uh, minister life to someone right where they are. Did Jesus go to the synagogues? Absolutely, he did. But where did he spend most of his ministry? On the street. On the street ministering. I'm just saying, I believe we could go to Gibsonville on the 14th of December and wreck the parade in a good way. Huh? The, we just have a, a Holy Ghost parade and just watch him show who he is. Not for anyone's honor, but for his honor and his glory. Amen? That's my heart's desire that we do that, that we live in that way, in such a way that our lives just declare the, the living God to all who are around us. And that when we walk into a situation that doesn't seem right, that we don't worry and go, because you know what? And I've heard this testimony the Friday night that we had that meeting. When I walked in and we started in worship, I was jacked up that whole day. I think I've already shared this. I was jacked up that whole day looking forward to that Friday night. When we walked in, man, it was like flat for me. We started worshiping. I was like, I wouldn't recognize the Holy Spirit if he walked in here with a red hat on. That's just what I felt like. And I said, you know what? I am not, that's not who I am. I am not going to be led by an emotion. I'm a son of God, filled with the power of God, and we're going to have a meeting tonight where you are honored and glorified, and your spirit's going to move in a mighty way. But immediately when I didn't sense it, you know where my attention went? It was on me. It wasn't on the Lord. My attention was on me. And there was two or three other people when I shared that. Two or three other people said, you know, I felt the same way. Today just might be pick on people day. But Joyce, Joyce said she was late. She got caught up at work. She was late getting here. She said when she walked in, she just felt like I shouldn't even be here. I'm possibly even a hindrance because I don't even feel the presence of the Lord. Is that right? See, we for too long have been moved by our emotions. We've been moved. We allow how we feel to dictate who we are instead of who we are to, to dictate and tell how we feel. Are you with me? One other testimony, and then I'm, we're going to pray for one another. Thursday morning, I got up <clears throat> and felt just tired. We've been really busy a couple of weeks and uh, just felt fatigued and uh ate a little breakfast, took some vitamins and went. And we actually had prayer here for the pastors in the area. We pray here Thursday, this Thursday. It was at our our church this past Thursday. So I went to the store and bought spiritual food. I bought donuts and fixed heavenly drink, had coffee, right? So we were just super spiritual here. And we would, the, the Shekinah glory was coming down. Just kidding. And we were here and we were just talking and we were in the, uh, in the kitchen area and I took a bite of donut and a drink of coffee and I felt like I was going to pass out or be sick all over myself. And that's what I felt. The room spun a little bit and I was sitting there and I thought, man, I should probably go to my office and sit down or lay back in my chair or something like that. And I sat there, leaned against the stove and I said, no, not going to happen. I am not going to be sick. I'm not going to be weak. I am not going to be dizzy. Body. The same power that raised you. Now, I wasn't saying this out loud because I'd have freaked out a couple of the pastors who were there. But in my spirit, I just said, no. I made a stand. I stood right there and I took a stand. I said, no, I will not anymore be led by my emotions. When this happens, it doesn't mean this is the result. It means there's an opportunity for me to stand. So you know what I did? I took another bite of donut. 
I'm serious. I took another bite of donut and I choked that puppy down and chased it with some coffee and stood there a minute and then took another bite and chased it with some coffee and I finished my donut and drank my coffee. And it was gone. It left. But I had to make a choice. It was, I'm telling you, the room felt like spin. I thought, I don't even know if I can make it to the bathroom. From the stove to the bathroom, I didn't even know if I could make it. And I said, uh-uh, it's not going to be like that. And we went, I felt, felt better. Then I went, met Tina at, for lunch. And as soon as we sat down to start eating it, that feeling came back again. And I'm sitting there. And this time we're in a restaurant. And I go, I know I won't make it to that bathroom. And I said, nope. I didn't say anything to Tina. I didn't say, hey, please agree with me. Is there anything wrong with agreement? No. I didn't say anything. I just said, uh-uh. I am done with this. You're a, you have no authority over me. I've been redeemed. Body, I speak to you. You know what I did? I took a moment where I took the word of God and I said, no, I'm going to divide between soul and body and spirit. Here's what the spirit, here's who I am in the spirit. I'm seated and there's no sickness in heaven. And I said, body, you line up right now. And you know what I did? I ate. I didn't feel like eating, but I ate. And by the time I was through eating, it was gone. It didn't come back anymore. It was gone, gone. That's what I'm talking about. That we, when we recognize that there's something going on, that we don't just go, oh no, what did I do? Did I do this or did I do that? Did I open the door? I don't care how the door got open. Shut the door. 